Podcast world, what is shaking? Back at you, another episode, The Foul Life. This is the Dickies Work Wear podcast series brought to you by our friends at Dickies Work Wear. Their wear is spelled W-E-A-R on this podcast. Wear is spelled W-H-E-R-E. Where are you working today, America? Are you in the trenches, the ditches, on the ladder, on the roofs? Are you a surgeon? Are you a pilot? Are you a bus driver? Are you a janitor? Are you a teacher? We work. That's what we were put on this earth to do is to acquire a work ethic and work and provide for our friends and family. And our friends at Dickies are providing and making and designing and engineering the best work attire and apparel known to man from pants to boots to socks to shirts to jackets to zip-up flannels. You name it, it's there. Dickies knows what the working man and working woman all over the world, the American worker, the American working woman, what we need to be successful. So check them out, Dickies. They are all over your nearest retailer outlet. And I'm proud today to have a working American that's about 25 years old. He works his butt off every day in the waterfowl world. And um, I'm excited to have him on the podcast. His nickname is what we like to call the Axel Bender, but we uh, we were not going to go into how he got that nickname today. But we are going to introduce Mr. Riley Haw to the Foul Life Dickies Workwear Podcast Series. What's up, Riley? What's up, Chad? Thank you for having me, man. Axel Bender kind of sounds like a UFC <laughs> name. There's Axel. There's Style Bender. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <But> the, come <laughs> on. <laughs> well, Axel sometimes Bender. you. That's what Rocky's always told me is that you're that guy that always packs the trailers way too heavy. Oh yeah. That's it. Pack them way too heavy. Too many decoys. Yeah, right? too many decoys. So you're, you're from the Durham, California area, and you're a full-time waterfowl guide? Yes, sir. And give me a little bit of what that entails. Is it a year-round job, or does it start seasonal, or when does your when does your job start? You know, it's, uh, it's not full-time, but it pretty much is year-round. I'm always thinking about what we can do better, what, you know, is, is coming up next. Um Normally, October 1st is when everything starts to rumble around here. Uh, Some of the rice has been harvested, and um, that's when we really start to get our rice pits going and ready for clients to come. So basically from October to uh, March 10th, March 15th, around that area, I'm I'm going, going, going nonstop, whether it's uh, a duck trip, a goose trip, um, and traveling too, so... It's it's all fun and games though. I love it. You love working for Rocky. Oh, couldn't it was it was always a dream of mine, and we're working great together right now. And I know in the future we'll just keep getting better. So why was it a dream of yours? Shoot, man, I don't know. Just uh, growing up, I always knew I had a there was just a passion in the outdoors and hunting industry, and I shot for my dreams. Always wanted to be happy, waking up every morning, and. Uh, that, that you know that was my goal to be happy and find a way and to do what I love to do every single day and find a way to to make a living doing it and that's what I'm doing right now and I couldn't be more thankful so guiding everybody here is guiding and they think 
Well, you know, you just hunt in the morning and then the rest of the day you're, you're off. You're, you uh, get to go home, take a nap, shower up, get ready for dinner that night. But when you're doing it like you guys run at this operation at Merlot, the clientele that you're bringing in, you got speckle belly geese, you got snow geese, you got rice pits like you talked about for ducks, puddle ducks, pintails, widgeons, mallards, teal, gadwalls. We guys killed a canvas back this morning. Um, a lot of different species in this part of California, a lot of really awesome world-class duck hunting, but guiding is not easy so give me a rundown of how a, a, you know an average day goes from sure. when you get up in the morning to when you go to bed at night yeah 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 so you know a lot of people just think yep i do show up and take guys hunting like you said but you know the alarm alarm clock's going off early you know you got to think about you have to have all your everything everything crossed make sure everything's ready to go um you know i wake up go grab a machine um and then go and pick up clients every morning, um, certain time, certain place. Uh, you know, you got to have your, your dog has to be ready to go every single day yourself. Uh, you got to be clear minded, clear, clear set. And then, you know, once you're in the pit, yeah, you're hunting and you're having, a, you know, the time of your time of your life. But um, there's always something that, you know, you see, oh, you know, this pit here needs a brush job after the hunt. So then, you know, you after the hunt, you know, it's 11 o'clock. Well, you know, your day's not over. You go back out to the pit, brush blinds, uh, make everything better, fix sinking decoys. Um, and then as far as, you know, where I'm at, um, I'm guiding goose hunts almost, you know, in in the heat of heat of it uh, almost every day. So, you, you know, you go 15, 20 days straight of guiding goose hunts. You know, you got to go scout afterwards to find the next feed. Um and so, you know, we're, we're changing fields every single day. We're never setting in the same field, same check. It's a different field. And, and every field we are setting on is the X. So, um, yeah. And do you, when you say scouting, you're saying that after that day's hunt, you got, you go out, brush blinds, fix the decoy spread. You might need to adjust some for the tomorrow's wind. You might go to another pit, depending on where the birds are, you know, according to the wind. But obviously you're, you're scouting entails that watching the weather, watching the forecast, watching the roofs, watching the loaves, where are the birds at? So is that like you get done with the pitch, you go back, get lunch now, maybe take a nap and then you're out yep. again in the afternoon and you're, it's just windshield time, you yep. know, dirt road and it looking for birds. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, depending Depending on the time of the year, you can really start to pattern when they're getting off the roost in the evenings. So, you know, it you're it sometimes it'll be three o'clock they'll get off and they'll feed three through, you know, five PM and sometimes it's four thirty and they get off late. So it's all it all depends on the weather and the birds, like you said, and if a scout works out, it works out. But then the next you know, if if you have birds on your field, you have to make sure the weather's gonna play for it too. So uh, just because we have birds on on our field, you know, doesn't mean we always call hunts because we always look at the weather and make sure we have that in our favor as well. So you have a lot of things that are in your favor, but a lot of times you don't. You don't have things in your favor. It could be fog. Sure. It could be a, a dome. It could be a low ceiling. It could be no wind. It could be warm temps like it is right now. There's a lot of things that will dictate what waterfowl, ducks, and geese do during their, you know, after they get here from their annual migration. They work their way down the Pacific Flyway. They get to this part of the Butte Sink or the Rice Country yeah. of California. And then all of a sudden you have, a, you know, a span of a, 
a bunch of ups, but then there's valleys, there's lows, there's downs. You get, yeah. you have a lot of clients that come in and you, what, what are the pressures like? Do you have pressure? Do you stress out with this job? Cause this is a job. People say that if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life, but do you still love it every day? Are you fired up every day? And is there a lot of stress that comes with it? No, for sure. I, I personally, I do. I love it every single day, but like you said, there's a, there's a lot of stress involved, but like you said, when, um, you know, when a hunt doesn't go uh, to plan, you know, I always think, you know, I always come out a way to make it to make it better. Uh, even if there is no ducks flying, at least there's just the camaraderie in the field and getting to know different people and, and experiencing different stories and, and meeting all these people from all around the world and just, you know, talking and, and socializing. And, and that's the one thing with duck hunting that you can do. Um, you know, a lot of other hunting, you know, you have to be quiet there, quiet that you're not really socializing as much as you do in a duck blind. And, uh, and that's one thing I love about duck hunting. You know, I hunt every, every species, you know, a big game, my fish, I'm always, I'm in the outdoors 365, so to speak, but there's something about duck hunting. Like, like you said, if there is, if it is a slow day to come, you always make something, something out of it and get to meet so many different people and you know, I have a ball and, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure I might get tired of it, but for now it's all fun and games. What do you, what do you love about the clients and what don't you like about clients? You got any story of a client that just wore you out? No names need to be said, but what do you love about it? Is there, oh, is it fast friends that you make? Do you stay in touch with a lot of them? Do some of them come in here and they just wear you out because, they don't think you called the shot right or the decoys aren't right or you're not in the right spot or another blind killed more than our blind today. You hear it all as a waterfowl mm-hmm. guide. So are you experiencing that or do you take it with a grain of salt? Do you wear it on your sleeve? Do you take it personal? Yeah. No, I, you know, I usually take it with a grain of salt because, you know, Merlot waterfowls were so well known for, for being successful. And, and if you're a true hunter, you know, uh, that there are bad days and, and, you know, if you book a guided hunt, uh, you know, we're not going to go, it's not, you're, it's not, um, guaranteed limits ever, you know, it's hunting. Uh, we're just putting you in the best spot possible that we feel is, is our, what we have. And, and, um, yeah, I, you know, I, there's no pressure on me, really. Uh, it, whatever happens, happens in the field, and I just try to make the best of it. You know, if it's a good day, it's a good day. If it's a bad day, it's a bad day, and you wake up the next day and do it again. So you didn't answer me. Give me a story. Have you had a story? Have you had a client that just wore you out in the blind and, and was uh, group of five? Uh, I had a. It was a stormy day. Group of five. Um, their camo was bright blue. Uh, bright blue jackets and it was storming and uh luckily you know we have roll tops and they were all shooting over and unders um smoking 24 7 you know and then the roll top you know you're trying to hide the guys because they're wearing blue jackets but they're smoking so you're trying to blow the call and it was just all you know that but we ended up killing all our birds which was that's the story you know we killed that was one of the craziest hunts i've ever had and it happened to be with that group and and uh yeah it, i was stressed out the entire time because we were shooting so much and uh yeah they did they were just inexperienced hunters but you know but they killed all their limits and and you know i get their phone I, my phone rings every single year I, I guided them i think four years ago and they got my number and they call me every single year around May to, to book another hunt, and it's it's just it's classic. They still wear blue, you know. At 
we haven't had them back since then, but they still call. Do they? <laughs> yeah, we're always booked up. You're always booked up when they call. <laughs> are you for real, or are you just telling them that? <laughs> That's for anybody to decide. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see exactly where you're going with that. <laughs> so what makes it successful? What has to happen? What pieces have to fall in place to have – let's start with speckle bellies. What has to fall in place? You don't have to give away your secrets um, of what you and Merlo and, and Alex and the guys are specializing in to kill because you guys really do. You have the best speckle belly operation I've ever seen. Ten birds a day per man. It's big limits. Um, that could hurt a guy if they're not working and the clients want to stay out in the field longer. Yeah. They both they all got six birds each. That's plenty, but they want to try to get their four more each. Yep. That could be another couple hours. That could be more pressure on the birds. What pieces have to fall in place for it to be one of those knockdown? eight man limits and then plus your 40 or 50 snows yeah. on top of that. You guys have several hundred bird days. What has to happen? First off, you have to be mobile. Um, you have to have a lot of options. Uh, and we do, and we're blessed to have a lot of options and, uh, for the pieces to fall together. Yeah. You just, you know, we we're we're fortunate to be on feeds every single day, every set. So, um, <clears throat> once you, you once you find something that works you kind of you keep doing it and then if it doesn't work you kind of twist it and and once you're hunting these day after day after day you really learn speckle bellies you learn how to kill them and um you know we're fortunate to be able to move from place to place and and for the most part uh you know we're we're extremely successful we have a a great operation a lot of uh you know uh, hands on deck it's not just us three uh there's so many other people involved um within the farming group even you know we have a lot of uh, labor that comes out and helps us it's it's unbelievable and you know there's guys that come out and set the spread and pick up and they have never even you know they haven't been on a goose hunt in their life and you know we're fortunate to to have help and have a lot of eyes and and um you know just being able to move move around and being mobile it's it's key what kind of guy is rocky merlo don't kiss his ass because he's your boss be honest what kind of guy is he shoot man he's uh in my eyes he's actually he's a man of gold to me um he's done everything for me since since the start um you know i didn't I wasn't close to Rocky until I started, uh, until I really graduated high school and started guiding a lot, you know, for myself. And um, ever since then, you know, it's been six years now, uh, he's treated me, you know, with the utmost respect and, and uh, I've, you know, I've worked my butt off for him and, uh, you know, we always say, you know, keep working hard, be honest and keep your nose to the grindstone and, and that's worked for me and that's worked for him and, no, Rocky's he's a great guy, and I can't say anything anything bad about him. He's is that's he a good truth. outfitter. <laughs> I'd, I'd say he's the best. Yeah. Why? What does he have? What does he do that's so special that makes Merlot Waterfowl so special? He's just he's uh he do, he does stuff that no one else does. He's always thinking ahead of everybody else. He always is one step ahead. Um, and with him being one step ahead, combined with Alex and I's knowledge and 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 expertise in the field, calling abilities, it's pretty hard to beat, you know. And yeah, he's he's always just thinking outside the box, whereas other guys are just 
you know, day in, day out, they're doing the same thing, you know, permanent spreads, um, socks, uh, <clears throat> you name it. You can't, you can't get away with having 100 bird days, 150 bird days with permanent spreads and uh, trafficking birds. I mean, you can here and there. Um, don't get me wrong. It'll work out. But um, for the most part, yeah, you, you have to be mobile and, and Rocky's, you know, he's the best at, at doing that. And why, like, what, when you say he's always a couple or three, four steps ahead, what you mean as far as like innovation and product and decoys and gear and um, yeah. how to hide there? I mean, yep. he's just always thinking, huh? Yep. Always thinking, you know, next step. Like we have a couple uh, next year, something in the works that I don't, th- I've never heard of anybody ever doing. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, so it's in, in the goose industry and, and we're always, uh, you know, trying something new like this year, you know, I'll, I can give it away, but we, you know, we mowed all our checks and that, you know, it, uh, boosted our bird numbers, you know, tremendously. And, and we had a good, good year when they were here and, and, uh, yeah, he's just always, whether it's product development, a hide, like you said, um, or even a spread, you know, uh, we have certain certain things up our sleeves that I've never seen anybody throw, you know, unless they're not picturing it as well. But yeah, there's some there's some certain things that that we do that I don't think a lot of other people do do. And what kind of guy is Alex Torrance? Torrance Toponce, yeah. Toponce. He's uh he's the heart, dude. He's the he's the the guy you go to for anything. Uh, you know, he's he's the backbone of the whole, the whole goose operation, uh, extremely smart. Um, I can't, you know, Alex has been absolutely wonderful to me since day one. Um, I can remember going to my first, you know, cause my first goose hunt with Merlot, you know, cause I set a lot of spreads before I even got to hunt and, and show what I had. And, um, you know, I always would set spreads and, and then go duck hunting and uh that's when i was a youngster young and alex always was always treating me with very you know great respect and and me and him are hitting it off right now and and we're we're hunting well together and that's another thing too you know as guides you got to have another great guide with you you you, you know i'm not an individual i'm always with other other guides and goose hunts and uh, working well together, calling well together, getting along, having fun, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and Alex and I do that. And he's, he's wonderful, wonderful man. Is he a good goose hunter? (laughs) He's not good. He's, he's not, there's not a chart for Alex. Yeah. He's, he's above and beyond. Really? Oh yeah. He just doesn't like to smile. He just, uh, I love that dude, but he just doesn't smile. Maybe it's me. Do you think it's me? He's he's been there, done that. Let's just say that you know he's seen so many so many hunts under his belt that you know I don't know if you know he does it for his dog at this point and and let's talk about his dog his Bob. Do- yeah, what a great name for a dog, Bob. I mean, what a freaking stud too. Yeah, Bob the dog, man. He is. Uh, I've hunted over a lot of dogs, and Bob. Uh, yeah, he's he's the best I've ever hunted over. Um, and I know Alex is super proud of him. Um, it's a dog that I wish everybody could see work in the field. Um, and his trainer, Bruce is, is unbelievable as well up in Oregon. And, uh, both those guys just really know, you know, it's all about handling the dog. 
um, I think, you know, if you're a good handler, you're going to have a good dog. So, and, you know, Alex is an exceptional handler and, uh, you know, you pair that with a dog like Bob and you guys aren't going to beat it, you know, so, and it's awesome to watch a mongoose hunts work and it saves me a lot of, a lot of, uh, time and effort too, chasing, chasing cripples around and whatnot. And do you, do you look at something like that and want to have all of that as part of your arsenal? You being the young guy in the group, you're 25, Alex is in his forties, Rocky's in his fifties. Do you want to be able to reach that plateau? Do you want to make this your living? This, you know, this Dickie's workwear podcast is about livelihood and how we make our living and how we provide, how we create revenue streams. Do you want to make your living in this industry watching, um, you know, how Rocky has built it and how him and Alex's friendship and business partnership has flourished through the years and meeting all of these clients that come in. We just had the Jack Daniels executives come into camp and you got to meet Casey and Tommy and Jay and you get to meet really cool people because that common denominator is hunting, right? Yeah. And that brings a lot of different walks of life. We've always said hunting is the common denominator that brings a lot of different walks of life together. Do you see yourself being 45 like Alex is and making his living chasing ducks and geese? You know, I, it is honestly, yeah, it'd be a dream of mine and it's a goal. Definitely. Um, my, my options are open. I, I, you know, I have a degree. I made sure to get one, you know, just, just as a backfall. Um, but yeah, if, if it was up to me right now, I'd, I'd, I'm going to find a way to make a living in this industry one day. And, and, um, you know, my options are open and, and, you know, the only way to get there is just to keep working, and keep working hard and stay humble stay honest and then keep going at it because and, and dream big you know uh i i started out as any old boy um i grew up in durham uh like i said and i i had i had no connections in this industry the only connection i had was uh you know my dad and my brother and and getting me into the outdoors and uh you know i credit my dad just introducing me to hunting and fishing at an extremely young age and it stuck with me um it turned it was a hobby and and now it's you know a way of life for me and uh i'm extremely blessed right now and i i couldn't be more thankful so yeah to answer your question it's long long rant but yeah i would i would want to make a living in the future doing this and where do you need to improve, you think? Are you a good caller? Do you understand decoys? Do you understand different species, movement on the water, um, different temperatures and what birds are going to do? Do you understand concealment and blinds? Do you have a good grasp on scouting? Do you understand how important networking is and communication and talking to landowners and farmers and ranchers and your other guides and your other coworkers and you're staying in touch with your clients? Are you starting to get the gist of how this is, we started off by saying, Hey, is this a seasonal job, a full-time job? The <laughs> yeah. real answer is when you're a guide, it's it a full-time is. job, it right? Is. Yep. It might be seasonal, but when you're in it, it's nowhere near 40 hours a week. Exactly. It's more like 80 to 90 hours a week, yep. because even at night you're getting gear ready. You're fixing a flat tire, re, you know, replacing a belt on one of the four wheelers or fixing one of the skids or whatever you're doing, you know, you, you really have a lot of moving parts that if any yeah. of them go wrong, it can make one of your clients not enjoy or experience the you're hunt doomed. of a lifetime, which yep. is what your goal is, right? Yep. Yep. You're doomed. So yeah, I don't, it's, yeah, like you said, it's a full-time gig and, and you're going non, non-stop, but you know, if you enjoy it, like I do, it's, it's not, it's not really work right now. You know, I, it's, it's it, you know? It's uh, more of a 
passion that becomes something to where you you can't quit it, right? Yeah, it's not, exactly. You, you could go get another going. job. You're educated. You have yeah. a, a college degree in what? Yeah, uh, environmental science with uh, emphasis in fish and wildlife management. From where? Uh, half of it from Chico State and half of it from an online program. So Chico State, an online program. You have a you have a a, a, a B a bachelor in science. A bachelor of science, yeah. So in your when you're making your living blowing a, a goose whistle, right? <laughs> yeah, what they call them. They call them goose yeah. whistles. Yeah, goose whistles. Does so your yeah. mom? Does your mom and dad say what the freak are you doing? All this money for college education right. and you're not using it? Right. Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure my mom's kind of kind of skeptical about it. Um, but you know, she always she's extremely proud of me right now, and so is my dad. And they're telling me to you know go for it and chase your dreams. But like you said, I yeah, I do have a backfall. I do have a piece of paper and some experience with you know fish and wildlife and whatnot. So it's I'm not too worried about it right now. I'm I'm happy that I have it. And as far as improvement goes, like you said, I mean, um, I don't think I have improvement is in the hunting part of it but uh as far as socializing and connecting and having uh communication you know like you said there's a lot more to it than just hunting um that's i you know i just wish i would i need to be more organized is is what i'm thinking and uh, at least i know that i need to be more organized and uh you know it's always something that i need to improve on i'm always thinking what do i got to do next to be better and get, you know, higher up type thing. You, what do you mean get higher up? As far as like become, what's your goal? Do you want to work with Rico and, and take over Merlot Waterfowl someday? Have you talked to Rocky about your plans? Do you want to go out on your own? A lot of guides become outfitters. You For know, sure. they, they think that they can go out and do it on their own. For sure. Is that one of your goals to well, try yeah. to gain as much knowledge as you can and go start your own? No, we, I mean, not me personally. No, I would never start something on myself, uh, uh, as of now, no, I, I would never think of that. Uh, Rocky and I have something in the works planned, and uh, hopefully it, it gets bigger, and and uh, I'm excited to see where that takes us, and we'll go from there, you know. But as of now, and I, I enjoy working for Rocky and, and Rico both, and and uh, I'm excited to see Rico grow up and, and eventually run the company. Uh, I see a lot, a lot of good things in Rico. I've watched him grow up to, you know, from – shoot 12 13 years old to now he's almost 18 and and uh it's incredible to see him grow and i'm i'm stoked to see him take it over and 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 run with it it's going to be fun do you think he wants to take it over oh yeah he he does he's eating up with it he's eating up with it is he good at hunting is he 17 years old would you consider him a good hunter yeah he's unbelievable for 17 years old yeah he's unbelievable i uh i wasn't nearly the caller or anything you know at 17 that i am now and uh, i could try to compare myself to him and it's you know he he's incredible when you're around guys like rocky and yourself he's learned so much incredible things about hunting and he's he's well above his years as far as uh hunting goes and and everything and socializing like you said he's just he's well above his years and and that's only because of one common denominator that's duck hunting rocky's he's uh brought him into so many different situations that rico he's yeah he's he's doing great and i'm excited to see see him grow up and take it over and when you start to talk about you know taking things over or going to the next level of maybe owning this business or becoming you know management or upper echelon of the folks that are involved in merlot waterfowl down the road Mm -hmm. um 
Do you look at anything like growth or expansion or do you, because you, yeah. you've been other places, you've big game hunted, you know, there's yeah. waterfowl in Idaho, you know, do you look at something, is that in the works at all to where you'd want to sure. have a multi, you know, multi, multiple locations across sure. the Western United States or somewhere? For sure. That would be, that would be ideal. You know, I always think of that actually, you know, um, like you said, I, I am passionate in big game hunting and, and, and I like traveling, um, other places to waterfowl hunt. Um, but if you know there's always room for expansion and as far as here uh, in californian waterfowl hunting there's so much uh there's so many areas you can hunt here um that we are not taking advantage of now um and if we did you know we could even we could blow up even more um and you know be even more well known but like you said you know there's so many there's so much room for expansion as far as deer hunting goes antelope hunting uh you know, um, fishing trips, you know, all that Merlot waterfowl could expand on and, and get bigger. Um, and you know, that, that would be fun to do and we'll see what happens. And I know, uh, I know there's plenty of opportunity in, in every state to do it. And it's just, it's just getting the ball rolling type thing and, and actually doing it. So being good at it though, is, is what you have to hone your skills to have the confidence to be able to take people on hunts. And now you start talking about the future. You start talking about ownership. You start talking about expansion. What, what has to give me some ideas. How many decoys do you have to have to have a good duck hunt in this country is bigger, the better on a rice check. And then talk to me about goose decoy spreads. Do you have to have the biggest spread in the world to be able to attract them and keep their attention and decoy large flocks of speckle bellies and snow geese? Are you ready to make that commitment, that investment on being able to, um, you know, build your revenue streams, you know, work your ass off enough to be able to take something like this over or be a part of it and start maybe becoming an equity owner. Yeah. Uh, You know, give me an idea, like what works out here and, and are you ready to take those For steps sure. yeah as far as spreads go and spread sizes it all depends um you know there's uh to relate to uh, a person who hunts public land around here um when i was growing up i hunted public land you know every ch- chance i got because i had no access to private and there's days when uh i went out with two decoys on a jerk string uh two two duck decoys and killed my limit of birds and it's just all depends. And then, um, on a rice, rice check, you know, late season, like right now what we're in, a lot of guys pull all their decoys and they have 10 out. Um, you know, so it's a lot of times bigger isn't better, but in some instances like, uh, Rocky's, uh, really big pit, you know, we have 2000 decoys out there and yeah, it does attract a lot of birds, but on the days when it's calm and there's no wind, you got 2000 decoys sitting on a glass pond and sometimes that don't work out, you know? So it, it, it all, all depends time and place. And, uh, as far as a goose spread goes, um, we try to mimic what we see the night before, um, really, but, uh, you know, whether it's, if it's, I, you know, 10 specs, 10, 12 specs we throw sometimes, you can do that. You can get away with it. But yeah, we do throw 250. Um, and there's mornings where we'll throw 150. It all, it all depends on the time and place. And um, yeah, it's, it's always evolving too. Um, every day is different. We're changing spreads up this year. And usually we run with one certain spread and we found another one was working. So we started running with that one. And, you know, we just 
we learn. We, I learn something new every single day, uh, goose hunting, and that's what I love about it. Every single day, it's something new. And wh- when you say when you start talking about speckle belly hunting, is it always better to have whites mixed in? As a you know, as an outfitter and a guide, and you're thinking, is the are the specs always going to be with with the snows? Will they always decoy to that? Do they get you know mm-hmm. leery of snows to where they want to stay away from them? Yeah. Do, you, do you ever go to just an all spec spread? Well, yeah. So that's a uh, another thing that Rocky and I and Alex are talking about. We have something that coming about doing an all spec spread, but the hide is what is what deters people a lot a lot of the times because you got to be on an edge of a field um, and and layouts. And so it's tough, you know, specs like to be in the center and, and that's why we run our white suits and just for the hide and, um, you can't get away with anything else. So we put whites next to, you know, the specs and specs generally do not like to land anywhere near whites, depending on the circumstance, you know, there's sometimes they'll pile drive right in most of the time they will, but on the days that they don't want to be near snow geese, you're kind of doomed sitting in a white spread, um, trying to get speckle bellies in close because, you know, they want to be 150 yards from the whites and, and that happens sometimes. And, um, you know, there's, it's just tough. You're an all speckle belly spread is, is tough here. We can't get away with throwing a frames in the middle of a field like guys in Arkansas can, you know, and, and Canada, you can't get away with throwing these big, huge, uh, bush piles in the middle of a rice field or, you know, we can't, we can't do that here. They're just too, they're too cagey. And, um, yeah. So that, that to answer your question, an all speckle belly spread would be ideal. Um, but it's tough to, tough to actually orchestrate with the amount of guys that we have. Can you kill specs consistently over water? Could you, if you thought, if you thought it out and yeah, and, it's, and is it is, can you do that? Are you taking a chance to chase them out of the country? Um, you're not really hunting the roosts here. A lot of them are going to go to the refuges. You might have, a, there's a lot of water around on any given year, yeah. even though it was down this year, but specs will usually find, you know, a place, a safe haven to stay. Mm-hmm. Do you try to intercept them and get them, you know, after they feed coming back to that day loaf and try to, you know, get them over water? Is it, or is yeah. it harder to do that? Yeah. You know, I don't think, I don't think uh, very many people target, like you said, they don't target speckle bellies strictly after their feed. And, um, you know, that's something that we can expand on. And, and, um, like you said, if you find a good day roost, I'm sure, I'm sure you could put out some spec floaters and, and do some good work on them here. But, uh, it's hard, it's hard to do that. You almost have to go in there at a 10 AM sort of thing while they're feeding, and uh and get in there and set decoys and wait for them to come back around you know whatever time they decide to come back out of the feed um you can't really you know if you were to go in there in the morning they would essentially be there and and you would bust the roost and they probably wouldn't come back you know so uh you'd have to play it pretty strategically uh speckle bellies over water is definitely fun um but it is much tougher than than dry field hunting um and yeah, it's, I think it's just strictly based off of they're coming in to feed. Whereas, like you said, if they're coming to get water, there's so much water around. There's just obviously more opportunity elsewhere if they pick out anything that's that's not right with your with your loaf spread. So, do you feel confident that you can decoy them if they get over you? You're saying if they get over you and you have the right spread out, 
you feel confident that you can do it. What does the yeah. weather have to be yeah. like to kill them over water? Yeah, you got to have, I mean, your water has to be moving. It can't be glass, you know, no glass on the water. Um, and ideally, you know, obviously it's everybody kind of knows this, but the sun at your back, um, I always try to put the sun at our back in every every circumstance we can get. But, you know, with north winds here, do you, we always, you know, the sun is a big factor because you're, you're always facing it throughout the day and and that's tough but yeah ideally you have a wind and and uh yeah there's nothing to it just get them in and do you want to be in a pit on a day like that Uh, is is that the best hide in in a rice levy yeah uh ideally yeah i like roll tops uh the way we do it at merlo waterfowl the roll tops are the way to go um with the rice straw that's another huge labor job um, you know, 60 bales of rice straw get laid down our checks before water even comes in. And we have a crew come out and, and, uh, set flake by flake by flake all the way down the entire check. So clients don't slip and fall, uh, when it gets wet. And so it's basically, I call it the yellow brick road and, uh, it's, you know, you can drive a truck down it really, but it's, it's super comfy and yeah, ideally, uh, uh, pit pit blind is is what we're running here in California on the checks, and that's what you want to run. Here's a question I've always wondered about rice hunting: How deep do you want the water? Do you want it surface water? Do you want it clumpy to where you can see some piles of yeah. rice and rice straw in there to where a sprig or a mouth could get up and mm-hmm. sit on one or stand on one and sun himself? Yeah. Or are they always swimming in there? What kind of what do you want it to look like? The the depth of the water? Yeah. Well, it depends on where you're at too. So like if you're in a in a loaf, you you're obviously going to have uh, higher water because that's where they're, they're, you know, they, I've seen ducks tend to like higher water during um, when they want to loaf, but when they want to feed and come into your spread, a lot of times, yeah, well, we like cloddy stuff, you know, low water. And we definitely start to draw down towards the end of the season because by the end of the season, you know, a lot of our rice fields are pretty dang fed out. And so we, we lower the water to make it even easier for the birds to find more food and if if your water level um if you drop it and you, and you find a good depth where the birds like it you try to keep it there and and just match it and is that the same for ducks and geese goose no goose hunting is a different story um you know early season when when all our fields are getting flooded up uh our our geese they've they target brand new water that's coming right out of the pump so they'll find the water line uh, within fields and and every morning they'll f- not every morning but it varies a lot um, they'll find new water and they'll bump from field to field to field to field so it's pretty pretty hard to pattern them because usually you know guys are turning on their water generally around the same time so birds are just popping from field to field and you just gotta it's it's tough to hunt them um, because it's new water and uh, you can't really lay in a field that has water uh, so then you have to go on the check and then there's usually no pit blind in the check. So then you got to figure out a way to hide there. So early season hunting geese over new water is tough. Um, but then, you know, it'll phase out and they'll start to hit dry around Christmas usually. And then uh, from there on out, it's usually pretty go time, you know. Do you prefer wet or dry for specs? Dry for sure, yeah. Just because you get to lay in the middle of the field and yeah. and, 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 and hide from them yeah. or it's just more comfortable or they come a lot easier to it. What's the deal? Well, yeah, you get to be where you get to set 
where they want to actually set. You know, if you're on an edge, a lot of times you're not really on the X. You're actually, you know, if you're in the same field, but on the edge, you're actually about 75 yards away from the X because they want to be in the center. They don't want to be where the spread is, you know. So uh, that's why I like hunting dry fields for speckle bellies in white suits because, yeah, you can go to the dead center or go right where they were feeding and set there and not have to worry about a hide. And do you love to eat specks? Are they the best yeah. waterfowl there is? Yeah, for sure. Speckle belly, bar none. I haven't had crane yet, but yeah, my favorite favorite species to eat for sure. Specks better than crane. Probably is. It is. Specks the absolute best. Especially these rice fed specks. Yeah, that that's another California. thing too. We're 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 killing rice fed ones and they're fat, happy. They get down here pretty early and they don't really do much, you know, they just get they just eat rice, you know. They don't get we don't get the cold temperatures like a lot of other states do. You know, a, a cold day for us here is like a really cold day is like a thirty degree low nowadays. A twenty eight degree low is a cold, cold, cold day for us, which is crazy. Um, and you know, we have great, great temperatures for them, and they they don't really get messed with as far as weather goes. And yeah, we're blessed where we live for sure. Definitely, speckle bellies for definitely sure. a mecca. Yeah. It seems like the mallards are down a little bit, and that leads yeah. me into, you yeah. know, you've worked with California Waterfowl Association a lot in the past. Mallards are down, the Klamath Refuge, there's a lot of work being done up there, Tule Lake and the Klamath Basin. Um, you, you know Rock is the chairman of the board, you know all the guys in CWA. There's a lot that needs to be done, even as strong sure. as California can be. This state is tough for hunt people to want to come and hunt here because sure. of the laws, the politics, the guns, the the purchase of ammo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, they're making it as tough as heck. You're a young guy. You are involved in many ways on you know d- you know organizations like CWA. Are you trying to recruit your friends that are your age sure. and maybe a little younger? Telling, are you a good voice for this? Yeah. The importance of how how important it is to get involved. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, uh, my favorite hunts. I I was gonna get. Uh, tell you that when you asked earlier but my favorite hunts are young are taking young people uh when i see juniors at the at the meeting spot you know i light up because that's what ultimately is it that's what it's all about is getting new people into the sport because without youngsters and without uh juniors and and fathers taking out daughters and and sons uh the sport will never go on you know you need people involved and um yeah it's 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 wonderful. I lo- I love seeing seeing young people introduced to the sport, and I do my best to, uh, you know, make people aware of of what is going on. And and when people do ask me, well, hey, why don't you? Know, what's up with our mallard population? Like you say, you know, and it's because we don't have breeding habitat here in California. Uh, we do, but not a lot of it. And um, it's hard for it's hard for ducks, local mallards, to stay here, nest and and uh, have a successful hatch and, and brood you know it's it's, it's super hard um it, it's very difficult and to have our mallard numbers rise we just we need better breeding habitat and that's number one and that's a big part of klamath right yeah that's, exactly that's where they go to breed and well, with yeah. no water up there yeah and molt too and it's uh it's you know it's a huge area for molting and without water it's it's all bad it's a sad sad and sore subject so if I am a guy that's 18, 19, 20 years old, and I want to come to work, this is the Dickies Workwear Podcast. I want to come to Merlot Waterfowl to work, and Riley's the first guy that I meet. 
Mm-hmm. And I say, how can I get a job? I want to be doing what you're doing. What do you tell me? Work hard, stay humble, be honest. I know, but how do I get a job with Merlot first? <laughs> you don't know me. I can't show you my humility. Is there an internship? You know, is there is there ways to prove to you that I can hammer them down and, and, and kill them consistently, that I'm a good converser and I can talk to clients and make them feel all warm and fuzzy inside? Yeah, there's, there's always room, you know, there's – if someone fits with us they fit with us you know and if they come around and fit with us it, it works um you know we we do go th- we have gone through guides and sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes it does and and when it does it, it's usually a good thing and like i said earlier um you know you have to work with great guys and uh, i'm fortunate you know i uh, my best friend bailey fritter and I, I he started guiding with me that just this year and and um you know i remember starting to speckle belly hunt with Bailey and he never even picked up a speckle belly call and, and now he's better than me, you know? Um, and it's cool to, it was, it's just extremely cool to watch people transition, uh, from being, uh, you know, sport, uh, beginner sportsman to moderate to extremely good. And it's cool to watch people progress as, as guides and, and people, you know, just in general, it's awesome. So you're looking forward to 2021, 2020 was a weird year. A lot of groups canceled on some parts because of COVID. Let's, we got to get past this. How excited are you for the late season spec? You know, finishing up this waterfowl season, you still got a couple weeks left. Then late season specs, then you roll into turkeys. Then you have striper season. Then you have salmon season. You know, you have sturgeon season on the Sacramento River. This place is an outdoorsman's paradise, right? Sportsman's yeah. paradise. What are you looking forward to? Are you excited? Yeah. Like I said, there's, uh, there's always room for improvement and we have a lot of things up our sleeve for 2021. Uh, and it's, you know, I can't be more, uh, more excited just for it to get here. And like I said, we still have two weeks to go or a week to go. I don't even know what day it is right now, to be honest with you, cause I've been going so much, but, uh, all I know is I have a trip in the morning and probably the next day and from there on out. And, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a grind and I can't be more thankful, you know, to be here and be able to experience, uh, such a wonderful lifestyle. And tell me this. If somebody wants to come hunt with the Riley, oh God. can they ask for you? Can they say, <laughs> hey, um, I we would like to have Riley be our guide. <laughs> can they do that? And because they're they, people are here, they're here seeing you on the foul life. They're hearing oh, you. Yeah. They're seeing you get your name out there. Um, can they say, hey, we, sure. want, we want to hunt with the Riley? For sure. For sure. I, I enjoy, like I said, I enjoy meeting new people. That's what it's all about. And uh, for me, I just like passing on knowledge and trying to get people more uh, experienced and, you know, eventually hopefully that person passes it on and that person gets better. And, um, it's cool. It's cool. Like just the other night, um, Bailey's little brother, Nolan came up to me, Hey, you know, it's cool. And I said, what Nolan? And he said, you know, you taught me, you know, kind of how to speckle belly call. And now I'm speckle belly calling. And now my buddies are getting better at speckle belly calling. And now they're starting to kill birds at the refuge. You know, and it's like just because you told me, taught me how to speckle belly call, it transitioned into like ten different youngsters that are in high school at Chico Chico High, and they're just going out having a ball, learning how to call and 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 harvest birds, and it's just awesome. Yeah, that's so it. cool. Yeah, it's sweet. What a way to make a living, dude! Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you did shave yeah. your beard though. The axle bend bender shaved his beard, literally <laughs> shaved his beard, and 
We always used to say, tell everybody that Riley looked like Happy Gilmore's caddy. Oh God! You <laughs> guys should see me now. I look like a nice prime prime specimen. Primed up, just clean cut, yeah. clean shaven. Primed up. But the axle bender is <laughs> is a great nickname. I love it for you, and uh, I think that. I think that we need to get a poster made of the axle bender. Oh, my God. Just have, like, an axle over your shoulders, like a, a bird strap, and just kind of have you bending it down. Yeah, exactly. The axle bender, because there's too much, uh, too many too many limits of specs inside of it. That's exactly That's how you got that nickname, Yep, I think. Yeah, too many limits of specs were inside of it. That's Riley Hall, V. Riley. Request them when you book your hunt with Merlot Waterfowl. Trust me, the waiting list is long for their goose hunts because they are one of a kind. I've seen it many times myself, and I'm here to attest. Don't cross that one off your bucket list just because you don't think you want to come to California. Get out here and experience it. It is a true bucket list hunt. Riley Hall, one of the lead guides here, Alex Topans, Rocky Merlot, Rico Merlot, everybody involved in the Merlot Farming, Merlot Waterfowl, California Waterfowl Association. Thank y'all so much for rolling out the red carpet for the Fowl Life and Bandit every time we come to town. It's been another awesome episode of the Fowl Life Podcast, Dickie's Workwear Series. Where are you working, America? W-H-E-R-E. Where Dickie support companies and brands and cultures that support us and what we do in the outdoors. Thank you to everybody at Dickie's for bringing us another awesome episode. That's Riley Haw. You can find him at MerlotWaterfowl.com. And like I said before, request the Riley. He's on Instagram at, give it to me, Riley. Just rhaw 5 all lowercase. R-H-A-U-G-H-5. Five. Is that your baseball number, football number? Football. And, and my dad's racing number. He said he was the uh, the player of the year, and we are no. going to have a – there's a guy named Ty Eubanks in camp this week with us, and there will be a wrestling match tonight. Riley worked him in the decoy spread a couple weeks ago. The rematch is tonight. That's Dickie's Workwear Podcast right here at the Foul Life Podcast Series. I'm Chad Belding. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Thank you all very much. Uh-huh.